Welcome to episode 40 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we try to pre-order the iPhone X while watching the circular loading screen from our frosty shelters. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. I did try to order my iPhone 10, and uh, I, it wasn't a frosty shelter that I was in, but it was a dark shelter at 3 in the morning. Yeah, so I know you had, I mean, we've been talking about this for a few weeks, so now we can finally talk about our experiences of what we went through, and hopefully everyone listening was able to get what they wanted. So how was it for you? It was not bad. I was surprised. So for my setup, I had my MacBook set up with both Safari open and Chrome open, both open to the Apple Store webpage. Then I had my iPad open and my iPhone open to with the Apple Store app running on both of those. And it was supposed to start at 3.01 my time in the morning, a.m., and I just kept on refreshing all of the things. I kept on quitting and restarting the Apple Store app. They all said, like, we're going to be back soon. And so I just kept on going, kept on going, kept on going. And eventually the Chrome browser won out. All of a sudden I refreshed and it popped up. And then I just started frantically typing my stuff in. It was a lot more steps than I expected. But I made it through, got the November 3rd delivery date, and I was golden. So it was really not that bad. It started about five minutes after, so it should have been one minute past midnight your time, but it was actually longer than that. Yeah, for me, so I get to shop through the Verizon Business Store, so I had the separate page set up, but I still had the Apple Store app and the Apple Store website on my computer and phone, respectively, just in case as a backup. If those went up first, I'm sure it still would have processed through because you're replacing your existing iPhone number. And so I was ready to go. But the Verizon Business Store, it popped up at like 12.03 Pacific time. And so I was done with that checkout. And I was refreshing the Apple Store in the background just in case. And it didn't seem to go up for me until like 12.14. And even by then, I think it was slow or something because it already said two to three weeks. So my Apple Store pages didn't even refresh for that initial November 3rd time anyway. Yeah, so I had actually also loaded up Best Buy. I had a tab open with the AT&T store. And the AT&T store, as soon as you loaded it, it gave you like a 20-minute countdown timer. So you, had, you were in a queue from the start. I did see other people reporting problems, and actually I have a coworker who had a problem with the Apple Store where all of a sudden it said it can no longer process orders, but it had your order, and you need to call back within 24 hours, but don't worry, your order was safe, and it was ready to go. I wouldn't trust that. I wouldn't be <laughs> waiting. I and like So, and the guy I knew that I worked with, he just kept on refreshing and refreshing. Eventually he got back in and just put the order through normally instead of believing in this call and don't worry, your order is going to be safe. But yeah, it, it was pretty quickly. Then it moved to the two to three week range. Then it moved to, I think three to four weeks. And now I think it's put, sitting at that five to six week lead time. If you were to order today. I still was surprised how long two to three weeks lasted just because we've heard how hard it is to produce this. And I can't imagine an extra couple of weeks past November 3rd, they're going to miraculously have a few more million. And the most surprising aspect was that it's going to launch in 55 countries simultaneously on November 3rd. I have no idea what kind of witchcraft or magic Apple's going <laughs> to use to launch this device in 55 countries and still be able to support all the demand 
in America across the four major car- carriers plus all the Apple Store purchases. Yeah, I too was surprised that it's still I'm I'm shocked that it's still only at five to six weeks because we were hearing this was gonna be well into early part of twenty eighteen, that this was gonna be a problem, and that's really not into twenty eighteen. Like five to six weeks you're looking middle of December at this point. Yeah, you can so, still get it as a holiday type a, of gift. Yeah, yeah. Like a holiday gift. So I, I'm I'm kinda surprised unless because of those th- changes they made that kind of reduced the fidelity of the uh, the the face ID to That's kind not of, to get accurate the... though. Did you see it's that? Not... That was probably the most interesting story of the last week beyond the pre-orders was that Bloomberg reported that Apple reduced the you know threshold needed to be an accurate face ID. And these stories come out all the time. Apple has never or very rarely responded to any of these stories. And a few hours later, they had a blanket. This is completely and utterly false statement. And it was such a harsh takedown that I can't imagine it's actually true. Because if it was true, Apple would have used more delicate language or something, but they just were like vehemently, no, this is completely BS, and I don't know why you published this. So I kind of trust Apple in this regard since they were so angry about it. Oh wow, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that re- that that retaliation of them denying all those stories. So yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, so I mean, if it is true that there's less fidelity for these early models, I think Apple would have tried to just not talk about it at all and hope the report kind of just went away because they didn't, you know, respond to it. But since they did respond to it. Wouldn't that generate even more stories that Apple specifically responded and what is Apple telling us? And it's like this whole other spinoff and makes it even a bigger story. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be some issue that comes up once these are out and about because it seems like that's Apple's mo nowadays where <laughs> within that first week some big issue shows up and it becomes the new apple gate of some well that's some like every phone too i mean true oh yeah, yeah the samsung the phone XL. exploded yeah. yeah the pixel has the burn-in oh. problem of stuff yeah it's crazy <laughs> so i'm curious to see what our problem is going to be but that's the price of being an early adopter at least i'm getting it on november 3rd yep And so hopefully, again, if you wanted an iPhone X, you got it. You got the color and the storage space that you wanted. It is a big purchase. It's amazing how we're so readily able to smack $1,000 sight unseen of this device. (laughs) But that's Apple stuff. Well, with tax, it's up over $1,200. It's insane. Like, that's more than I pay for a computer. But then again, I do use my phone every single day for a lot of hours of the day. So I guess it's, I'm going to get my money's worth, but then again, having to spend $1,200 on a phone seems absolutely ridiculous. Yep. And so that's the iPhone X and between now and November 3rd, there's all these kind of apps to use. And hopefully you can use these apps on your brand new iPhone when it comes in. Yes. And so when this is actually published, it should be published on Halloween. And that means there's Halloween apps for you to kind of use and test out whether it's the ones you've had from the past Halloween specific games. But there's a new specific app that's called Monsterfy, 
or at least it's recently updated to let you essentially have kind of a photo booth to transform your face into zombie, werewolf, Frankenstein, Dracula, etc. without the use of a mask. It's all digital effects, and then you can share your pictures on whatever social media platform you'd like. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a number of these types of apps in the past. There's one that make you old. And on our previous podcast, we talked about one that let you turn yourself into various Disney characters. So these, it's not necessarily a new concept, but the quality of this app is pretty impressive of how quickly it does the transformation and how believable it is, like how realistic it looks when it takes your face and transforms into one of these monsters and it can move around and it looks like your face is moving around with this creature as your face yeah like we've talked about they have the walking dead specifically become the walking dead so you have that zombie effect or there's um ones in the past we've talked about that have been pulled from the app store like uh oh what was it called i mutator yeah oh okay yeah, I think the Disney one might be gone, too. I'm but not that sure. That iMutator was kind of my go-to for Halloween. And so this <laughs> app kind of builds upon that idea and just flushes it out with more realism for the effects. Like, you really have to see these effects to believe them. You don't really have to have special lighting when you're taking a selfie to have really great adjustments to your face to have the zombie or werewolf or whatever choice you have. Right, and you you don't have to use the camera, too. You can load in a picture that you already have and transform. So if you have, like, a picture of your friends or something, you can try to use that one instead. It it depends. It has to be within a certain size and uh, view of your face. But if you have pictures, of, selfies of your friends, you can try converting them into monsters as well. And so that's Monsterfy. It's free, and it's worth noting that it includes 12 different style effects to choose from included for free and then there's nine additional effects you can unlock with an in-app purchase of $2.99 right and then they also have some weird 99 cent subscription service you could sign up for which gives you like a monster of the month or something I don't fully understand I can't imagine this is the type of app you'd be using year round that someone <laughs> would want to be spending 99 cents a month on it but Maybe the, I guess there are. I mean, one of the first complaints on the on the app, the, the review says the person's spending two ninety nine a month on the app. So I don't know. Maybe that's a sale price, and I don't. I I can't fathom myself spending nine nine cents a month on this app. But for free, the free content is pretty cool. Yep, and so that's Monsterfy. And then before we get to the new games, I did just want to mention some Halloween apps. So the first one is the interactive legend of Sleepy Hollow because it comes from iClassics and they make some really great interactive books and just Sleepy Hollow is perfectly situated for this time of the year. Yeah, that's an amazing app. They did such a phenomenal job on that. And it's just such a classic story to be reading around this time of year. And then you can also... There's a pop-up book for Halloween. It's called Pop-Up or Haunted House Activity Book. And then, of course, there's It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown themed up story. Plus, you have interactive, customizable characters you can connect to. Yeah, that's and those I forget who put the, that one out, but that they do such a nice job. Everything looks almost kind of like paper cutouts and 
almost gives it this 3D effect. And it just, everyone loves its great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And it's a, it's a classic growing up. You always watch that special and now you can read it kind of in this interactive book form. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And then since it's Halloween, you have the flashlight built onto your iPhone. So be sure to use it. I mean, there's some flashlight apps, but now with iOS 11, you have really easy access to the flashlight from control center and just try to use it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have a glow stick and you're out trick-or-treating with your kids, you got a flashlight. And then I know it's a little late in the season, but Morph Suit is really neat. It costs money, but I think you can buy it at your local party city. Like they have a whole online store and that's not going to arrive to you by shipping, but you might be able to find it in store. And that t- connects your iPhone screen or your iPad screen, it will turn into like a beating heart or something, and you slide it into this like sweater thing, and so you have this digital interactive morph suit that you can wear, and it uses your iOS device as the main kind of part of your costume. Yeah, my my brother has one of those shirts. I think he has the one with like a, a moving eyeball. Uh-huh. Uh, that's on, it's like, a, and so I'm sure that'll be showing up in the office tomorrow if he remembers to wear it because he wore it last year for Halloween. <laughs> And then we do want to mention some games. So Haunt the House Terror Town is one of my favorite Halloween games just because your goal is you're a ghost and you try to possess various items like the chair or the lamp or whatever it is. And your goal is to scare everyone out of a given building. And it's just a great game by itself that also has the perfect haunting theme. Oh, I haven't played that game in so long. I, I forgot about that one. I got to load that up. Yeah, my my girls love the, uh, I believe it's called Boo by uh, Toka Boo. They love that one. And it's your typical Toka Boca game where you're going around and you have to interact with all different characters and stuff. And this one, you get to try to move characters around this house. And there's various objects you can interact with to try to scare the guests. And they each have these funny little reactions they get when they get scared and they run out of the room. And you can all kinds of little interactivity and fun things they can do with with the characters in the game. Nice. And then if you want like a more deluxe kind of gaming experience, you can try out Lost Within, Dark Meadow, or Hell Raid The Escape. They're all kind of 3D, really essentially puzzle adventure games with some action thrown in. And they're just immersive kind of horror settings. They're not specifically Halloween, but they have kind of a few jump scares and just all that kind of imagery that you would expect. Yeah, those are all good recommendations. And if you like some old games, they might not work on iOS 11, but Igor's Eye Blast is kind of a bubble shooter with a moving circular piece to shoot into. And then there's Monster Kill from Origin 8, where it's a swipe gesture-based game where you have classic movie monsters coming at you, and you have to perform specific actions to get rid of them. Yeah, those are two of my all-time favorites. I usually yeah. I completely forgot to load them up this year. I always put them back on my device. I, I do not know if they work with iOS 11 because I mean, I forgot to even load them up this year. But those are two I always go back to. Yeah, they both say the developer of this app needs to update it to work with iOS 11. But you have if you have an older device or a non-updated device, they're definitely worth checking out. Yep. And so that's a nice Halloween action. Of course, there's a bunch of Halloween stickers because, of course, there are. (laughs) (laughs) But now it's time for some new games that are actually out. They don't have to be connected to Halloween at all. And the first one is Subsurface Circular, 
which is a text-based adventure game from the maker of Thomas Was Alone. And there's a really ornate storyline, and it's all depicted on as the foreground, with the background being these ornate 3D depictions of robots. So you're in this futuristic society where you have these robots known as techs, which perform various jobs, like you have the psychiatrist or a nanny or just the grunt labor worker. And you play as a detective robot, and you need to figure out the disappearance of robots, of various techs across the industry. And it's all conducted on this, essentially, train. It's an underground rail system specifically for robots to move around. So robots will board the train, you'll question them, you'll get to another stop, those robots will get off and new ones will come on. And it's all about trying to piece together this mystery one robot interaction at a time. So it's kind of like this conversation interrogation and you need to pick the right choices and kind of piece it together. Because as you go on, specific robots will introduce new kind of talking points that you can then use on other robots and that will lead to a new line of questioning and you'll piece these different kind of interrogation clues together to create the overall or figure out the overarching storyline yeah it's a really interesting setup that they have because you're this detective and you're trying to that you keep on having these new goals and you'll see these goals pop up and it tells you to find out what happened to this or the cause of this and so as you're talking to those other robots, they'll add what are called focus points. And those are those extra little dialogue options that you can add in when you're... So you'll start talking to the other characters and eventually you'll come to a point where they have nothing else to say. So your only option is to say, okay, thanks, goodbye. Or you can go down to these little, little focus points that you've introduced and they allow you to, to uh, keep on like re-bringing up certain topics to try to get the answers you're looking for in order to meet those different goals. So it's, it's a neat way they do it because I've never really seen that where you kind of control how much you want to talk to the people and these other little things you, you know, you need to find solutions for, you can just keep on bringing them up. And so it, it ends up being like a really different sort of choose your own adventure because you do have those normal paths and you get to choose different answers and you lead down certain questioning, but then you always can go back to those ones that you know, are eventually going to unlock your path forward to then move on to like the next chapter or the next location. And just being set in this whole weird, but familiar world where now robots are all living underground and kind of traveling on this underground uh, subway system and they have very human characteristics, but they talk in a very robotic way, and they almost have this animosity towards humans just because of the way they're treated. And it just it's a really interesting dichotomy of how they almost behave human, but not quite. Yeah, and each character, each robot that you talk to has a different character style, so each conversation is going to play out differently. And then, like I said, the conversations are intertwined. So you might need to talk to the librarian, and then you'll need to give him something. Like in that case, he wants a joke because he has all this access to information, so he's rarely surprised. So you need to come up with a joke where it's split into three pieces, and you need to find the three pieces to make sense. So then he'll give you a special access code that works on the sports robot 
who has all this like advertising and branding, so he can't actually have a normal conversation. So you have to reset him and wipe all that advertising out to then get his set of clues, and then that's going to be used later on. So you, those focus points you need to unlock by kind of piecing together two different conversations, and there's all these new puzzles as you go from chapter to chapter. Yeah, I, and I this is by the same people that developed uh, Thomas Was Alone, and I love that game. And part of that game was all of the dialogue and the crazy conversations that these just like blocks and things had. And here the dialogue is written so well that you just kind of, you get totally engrossed in this thing. And yes, you're sitting there reading basically blocks of text and that's, you see these other nice render 3d graphics around it. But for the most part, you're just sitting there reading text and selecting choices, but you get so engrossed in the text that it, feels like more than that so if you're someone who doesn't like to read a lot of text i think you're still going to enjoy this because it is such an interesting story and the characters are so well written that you want to know more about these various robots and why they're doing the things they're doing and you want to help the detective find the the clues he needs to then give to the robots to move the story forward and it's just that really well-written dialogue is what makes this game so so good yeah that's exactly right the dialogue makes the game and then it it brings kind of like a book to life by not just giving you a huge chunk of text it's little tiny blurbs to read and then it is like merged with a movie as you have those depictions in the background the train is constantly moving you hear the voiceover come you've reached a new stop and you get to see the robots as you're talking back and forth. They have subtle little movements. You can see things whiz by on the window. So it brings kind of the text to life as you're reading it. So you can see the different robot. He's not going to show emotion because they're faceless. But it's still, you have something to visualize as you're reading. So it's kind of almost like you're reading subtitles while you're watching a movie. Right, yeah, you have this scene kind of playing out around you, and they do a nice job with that ambient sound of it makes you feel like you're on a subway car. You hear like the the noises you would hear, and you hear that typical robotic voice that announces the next stop that you're at or coming up it's the next stop such and such and so it feels like that environment. They do a nice job of kind of putting that in the background and giving you that sense, but while you're reading the text and they even have kind of uh, like jokes in there about speeding up the text. Like, how is it? Do you want it up faster? And so you could go in, set it to, to go faster, display the text faster if it's not going fast enough for you. So uh, they even kind of refer to themselves and kind of break that fourth wall a little bit, but it just pulls you in with, with the dialogue. Yep, and that's Subsurface Circular. It's four ninety nine. It's universal and a definite definite standout for the week. And then there's Frost, which is essentially, uh, I didn't, it doesn't have like a typical genre description, but you have like this sequence based puzzle game, like Path Logic, essentially, but it's more free flowing where you draw the path on screen, and there's this whole particle engine. And your goal is essentially to direct a stream of particles from point A to point B. And that point B 
is going to be like this orb that you need to fill up with a certain number of particles so you can move on to the next level. And then as you move on, they introduce new particle types. So you'll have like a red particle type, a blue particle type, and a yellow particle type. And the blue particles can be pushed forward by the red particles, but the red particles don't latch on to the yellow particles. So you need to get the red particles to push the blue particles. The blue particles are magnetized to connect to the yellow particles, and you push that whole chain into the target point, which only is accepting the yellow particles. So you need to figure this out as you move through all the included levels. Right, yeah, and some of the orbs will start to kind of unfill if you're not filling them up fast enough so you have to get enough of those particles into the orb as quickly as you can in order to have it fill all the way otherwise if you go too slow it's not going to ever fill if you go really slow it's just going to unfill and get back to like a starting state and fortunately you do have ways you can undo paths that you've drawn like if something's just not working out other times you'll have to interact with the particles with your finger just to get them flowing in the direction you want them to move so maybe you kind of draw like a circular path around this structure that you have because there'll be areas where like there's like a barrier that you can't draw a path through but if the particles start flowing in that direction they can go through and so it's a lot of little things where you're figuring out the rules of each level when you get into it but you know some of the old rules about how the the particles interact but if something new shows up they don't give you instructions of how it works you kind of have to figure it out on your own but then it's nice because now you know that piece of information going forward and they can make more and more complex levels as the game progresses. There's so many different possibilities. Like there's portions where you can't draw on that part of the screen. So now you kind of have to just direct things over or some particles don't react to your finger. And instead your finger creates a blockade that they ricochet off. So you just have to figure all these things together because then they start combining them all into kind of one level concept. And I think this is from the makers of Bleck. Which and has Black similar... and, and Euclidean lands, both of those. Okay, so Black has that path drawing sequence where you have to create the path and then it moves by itself afterwards following that same trajectory. It creates like a loop of that action to reach the end point. So this has a similar idea, but a more concentrated depiction on the particle flow. Yeah, and about that particle flow, it is impressive at how fluid it seems to move on the screen. Like, I didn't notice any kind of stuttering. When you start to just kind of move it around with your finger, you cause things to cause it to ripple and change. It just seems so fluid and natural. It doesn't seem like it takes time to process the stuff you've drawn on the screen. It's just instant. I'm using a 9.7 inch iPad Pro to play, and it just seemed to like flawlessly move things around. Yeah, it's a great particle effects engine. The only kind of real drawback for me was it's a little bit on the slow side in terms of ramping up the difficulty where the levels are pretty self-explanatory for a while. Like they kind of beat you over the head with the obviousness of the new mechanics they're going to introduce. And it really takes a while to get going to actually challenge you. And then some levels you kind of figure out it the solution and it just takes a while for everything to flow together a fast forward button or just a quicker progression like it seems like they wanted a certain number of levels rather than more concerned with a smooth difficulty curve 
Yeah, I could see in some of the levels where a like a times two button would be super helpful because you have the the setup and it's going, but it's just taking a long time. But you don't want to mess with it to try to get it to go faster because it's working. So you, it would be nice to have that fast forward button just to have it do everything it's doing, but faster to yep. fill up the things. Definitely agree. And so that's Frost. It's four ninety nine. It's universal. And then there's Sheltered. It comes from Team 17. They released The Escapist recently, and they're well-known for all the different Worms games. And with Sheltered, it's a post-apocalyptic survival game that really focuses on the survival. So you have a family of four, the two parents and the two kids, and they all are going to have their basic needs of hunger, sleep, thirst, all that good stuff, using the bathroom and the facilities, and you're living in this underground bunker. So you need to keep building up that bunker as best you can, adding new rooms, putting in places to sleep, creating just a toilet or shower, upgrading your generator, making sure you have fuel. And so you focus on your shelter, but you also are going to need to go up into the wasteland and explore to find new items. And then you can use those items to craft new things and upgrade existing things. So you have that constant cycle. And then there's a whole system to interact with other people, other survivors, and that has a su- kind of a subtle Walking Dead vibe where you're going to have to choose whether you're going to befriend them or you need to jump into combat. And it's all based on going out into the wasteland and choosing where you're going to go. So you have a map and you can choose to go really far, but your people might not have enough rations to do that. You can go a little bit closer, but then there might not be as good as stuff. So it's that constant you know, familiar survival challenge set up in a really unforgiving world. There's a lot of ways to die and lose in this game, especially when they set up that whole family dynamic where you have to balance whose needs are going to be the most important to you as also who you're going to send out, who's going to stay behind, and how are you going to deal with other people who come along. So th- I haven't played this yet. It looked interesting. It kind of looked to me like a mix of like this war is mine and f- that Fallout Shelter game. That is that's that a kinda... great combo. It's it's is a really good is? combo. Yeah, because so it has that Fallout Shelter building idea, but it's more stricter. It's more unforgiving. Like this war of mine, where it's that really tough to survive area, and then there's a little bit more exploration than this war of mine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It looked interesting. I usually like uh, Team Seventeen stuff, so I, I was curious. I just hadn't had a chance to try it. There's a lot of different factors to balance. Just it. This War of Mine's a really good kind of similarity, and then they just build upon it and expand it, so you have more to do, more strategic decisions to make. But that same really difficult ways to survive. Your players lose a lot of you know they're constantly in need of attention there's a lot to do because they're living in such terrible conditions now is it one of these things where like if you lose some people there's ways to get other people or you're just trying to survive as long as you can without losing everyone the goal is to it's kind of like death road to canada where you can you know introduce new people but the goal is to keep your family members alive okay and so that's sheltered. It's three ninety nine, and it's universal. And then uh, one last game I wanted to mention is called 
Simulacra, I believe that's how you pronounce it, and it comes from the creators of Sarah is Missing. And this is another one of those uh, kind of found phone games where we have like another lost phone, we have a normal lost phone, and <laughs> a lot of these uh, kind of you found a phone and you're interacting with the, the device, and so your device becomes this phone. And you're going through things like videos and texts and emails. And in this one, you find this phone and there's this woman named Anna who you quickly discover that something is wrong. She's in trouble and she has these videos she left for you and she needs help. But at the same time, she doesn't really want anyone to find her because she doesn't want anyone else to get hurt as well. And what happens is the phone starts glitching and it's just like it's a really creepy game and i i the thing i like about this one compared to a normal lost phone another lost phone is that video element because it just adds a lot more realism and yes you have pictures in those other ones you have photographs and you have the emails and things but adding that video and you, you can see the emotion because obviously they got someone who can act and you see that emotion in these videos and you're kind of creeped out especially when they start doing this weird stuff with the videos and it just really pulls you into the story and you desperately want to try to help this girl and you're trying to find information you start chatting with this person i don't want to give too much away but things start to to develop and it goes weird and creepy and the the thing that's also kind of unique about this one is they have almost these puzzly elements which are kind of different i don't i i'm kind of mixes of how i feel about them but there'll be like a text message and it says that it's garbled so what you have to do is kind of decrypt it and fix the data and so you go in and basically you have to tap these words from the sentence to put them in correct order in order to build rebuild that particular line of the text message or there'll be corrupted uh, photo files. And what you basically have is you have maybe like eight segments of the photo where parts of it have all kind of glitch lines. And you have to figure out the correct order to layer these kind of segments of photo such that they form the actual photo and there's no glitched out areas. So if you layer them in the wrong order, there'll be glitched areas will cover non glitched areas. So you have to figure out the correct order to tap all these little pieces. And now you have that photo restored on the phone. So it, it, I love the story of it. And I think there's actually like five different endings you can end up having depending on how you go through things. And just like the whole multimedia elements just really kind of flush out to like a really unique experience. And how different is it than Sarah's Missing? It's been a while since I played Sarah's Missing. It's got a lot of similarities because obviously you're trying to figure out in that one, you were trying to figure out, I believe that's the one where you're trying to figure out if she was guilty of the crime. Is that that one? Am I thinking of the right one? Or my thing is sum up myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, oh no, no, no. Sarah's missing is very similar. No, this this was the other one where you had the kind of the lost phone, but this was a girl named Sarah. So it's pretty. That one I never really played. Um, Sarah's missing, but 
from looking at the 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 images, the screenshots of that one, I think it is quite similar to that one. It's just a different story. So it's probably similar to the differences between a normal lost phone and another lost phone, where you're basically you're now um, taking another person and you're going through their story. The interaction, I, I don't think it has all of the same. Looking at the screenshot, it doesn't have all of the same apps that are on the 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 simulacra phone so there's some differences there uh and i think that's that's similar to what happened in a, in a normal lost phone and another lost phone where they kind of had almost a different operating system on the phone so i think if you if you enjoyed uh sarah's missing i think you're going to enjoy simulacra this one i think is more creepy i think it has more of a kind of weird almost supernatural element to it and horror element to it uh which is probably perfect for this time of year but i've thoroughly been enjoying it and uh it is a universal app but this is the type i always play on my phone and it's uh 4.99 and i think that's everything for episode 40 brett thanks for joining me yeah it's a pleasure as always i'm looking forward to getting my phone on friday definitely to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later